Hello and welcome to Reading the Bible Cover to Cover in 365 Days. My name is Andrea Lendy, author of the book and Bible reader and studier for over a decade. And I'm excited to share some thoughts with you about today's reading. Welcome to day 58 of Reading the Bible Cover to Cover in 365 Days. Let us pray. Oh Lord, you are the creator of this universe and all we see. Help us learn more about you today as we read your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's see what's happening in Luke chapter 14. Jesus is at a Pharisee's home on a Sabbath, and he cures a man who had dropsy. It is interesting that many of his healings occur on the Sabbath. Before they can accuse him of something unlawful, he reminds them that they would save their own son or donkey or ox if any one of these had fallen into a well. Jesus shows his love and compassion for people as he cured everyone in his midst. He recognized the Pharisees were smitten with being honored. They desired the best seats wherever they were, whether it was a marriage feast or anywhere else. But he told them a parable which advised them to sit at the lowest seat so they could be raised up instead of taking the best seat and asked to step down. He said, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, ranked below others who are honored or rewarded. And he who humbles himself keeps a modest opinion of himself and behaves accordingly, elevated in rank. We can take this same advice. His next advice cuts to the heart. He said, give a dinner to people who could never pay us back. The poor, the disabled, the lame, and the blind. Here is his reasoning. Then you will be blessed because they have no way of repaying you and you will be recompensed at the resurrection of the just, the upright. Then Jesus told a parable about a man. Let's call this man God, who prepared a big supper, but all those who were invited made excuses as to why they couldn't come. And the supper was given to those it wasn't originally intended for. And the first invited people became uninvited people. You know, I've let other obligations come before the Lord in the past, but now I see that he is the only obligation that is worth pursuing. Let us accept God's call on our lives and his offer for the kingdom of heaven through his son, Jesus Christ. Let's see what Paul is writing about in 1 Corinthians 14. He starts out by writing, writing, eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim, your great quest. Yes, we remember yesterday, Paul wrote about love, the kind of love we are to pursue. Next, Paul writes to the congregation about the gift of tongues. While he speaks in tongues more than anyone, he describes how this gift is to be used in the church. For everything they do in the church should edify the church. Verse 22 says, thus unknown tongues are meant for a supernatural sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers on the point of believing while prophecy inspired preaching and teaching, interpreting the divine will and purpose is not for unbelievers on the point of believing, but for believers. So there is a time to utilize the gift of tongues to help unbelievers and a time to utilize the gift of prophecy to help believers. If either is used out of place, then it comes to no benefit. He gives specific instructions about how to use the gifts of the Spirit so the church is uplifted. Part of his instructions include having an interpreter present when the gift of tongues is used. Otherwise, the gift does not benefit the listener. He encourages the congregation to earnestly desire and set your hearts on prophesying, on being inspired to preach and teach and interpret God's will and purpose, and do not forbid or hinder speaking in unknown tongues, but all things should be done with regard to decency and propriety and in an orderly fashion. Great advice for every church today. 
decency, propriety, and orderly. Let's see what the Lord is instructing Moses in Leviticus chapter 25. God instructs Moses about a few things in this chapter. First, he tells Moses the land needed a Sabbath rest. They would farm for six years and leave the seventh year for the land to rest. The Israelites needed a constant reminder the Lord was their provider. I believe we too need this constant reminder. They complied with God's instructions for a time, but for nearly 500 years, they did not. God demanded the 70 Sabbath years from them and allowed them to be in captivity in Babylon for 70 years. God's plan will not be undone. He will make it come to pass whether we are obedient or not. Let us seek to be obedient to the Lord. Next, God made provision for freedom. After seven cycles of this sabbatical, he called for a year of jubilee. It was in the 50th year. Verse 24 says, and in all the country you possess, you shall grant a redemption for the land in the year of Jubilee. God also provided for the release of bond servants in the year of Jubilee as well. An Israelite who was poor and offered himself or herself as a servant to someone could be redeemed by a family member at any time. However, if this never happened, for whatever reason, the bond servant was released in the year of Jubilee. A stranger among them was not given this opportunity, but was passed down from generation to generation. God made a way for his people to go free. God made it clear that both the land and the people were his, and they were to be treated well with the possibility of freedom given to them. He said, for to me, the Israelites are servants, my servants, whom I brought forth out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Everything and everyone is and was his, and they were set apart for him. Chapter 26 has God's promises, which are many and great, if the Israelites did these things, if they didn't make idols for themselves, if they didn't make anything of stone to bow down to, if they kept the Sabbath, if they kept his commandments and observed his statues, then they would have rain in due season. Their crops would bear fruit. They would have plenty of bread to eat and dwell securely in their land. Their enemies would fall by their sword. Five Israelites would chase a hundred other people away. One hundred Israelites would make 10,000 flee. God said, for I will be leaning toward you with favor and regard for you, rendering you fruitful, multiplying you and establishing and ratifying my covenant with you. They would have plenty to eat. He would dwell in and among them. He would not leave them. But if they went against him, they would be slain by their enemies. They would be ruled by their enemies. He gave them more examples of his wrath if they continued to go against him. If and when they might be humbled and accept their punishment, then the Lord would remember his covenant he made with Jacob, Isaac, and Abraham. God was faithful to his word and his commands. As we continue to read and see what happens and how faithful God is to his word, we will gain new understanding of God's faithfulness to us, his children. We finish our reading in Leviticus today, Leviticus chapter 27. This is a chapter of vows. At first glance, I thought God was assigning a value to people to be sold to others. I was absolutely wrong. And maybe you need some clarification as I did. There are half a dozen different vows made in this chapter. Just like we say wedding vows in front of people stating what we will do. These are similar statements or promises made to God for different reasons. Sometimes vows are made by people in distress such as, God, if you will do this for me, then I promise this. 
We see vows being made in both the Old Testament as far back as Genesis chapter 28, verses 20 through 21, which say, then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I will go and will give me food to eat and clothing to wear so that I may come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set up as a pillar monument, shall be God's house, a sacred place to me. And all of the increase of possessions that you give me, I will give the tenth to you. So chapter 27 outlines what different vows are to be valued, whether it be a person, animal, house, inheritance, or land. Let's see what King David writes in Psalm 58. King David wrote this as a newer king. He was writing against the judges who judged the people unjustly. He has nothing good to say about them and ends the psalm with men will say, surely there is a reward for uncompromisingly righteous. Surely there is a God who judges on earth. Although others may judge unjustly, God is the ultimate judge. And by his hand, we will all be judged. Let us seek to walk in God's ways and obedience to him. Now let us pray. Oh Lord, thank you for the wisdom in your word. Help us glean knowledge and wisdom as we read your word. Help us be obedient to you and quickly ask for forgiveness when we have erred. May we be yours today through eternity, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for walking this journey with me and being a faithful reader of God's word. I pray that he shows himself as the God who loves you deeply and cares about every detail in your life. Come back tomorrow for some more thoughts and insights as you read God's word. 